keep the ball at the clock. Mayambi, Namuluka in your arm. Marks, Mapimpi, a camel deluxe. Well, I'm going to look at your arm. Matula Bola, deluxe Mapimpi. Oh, it's the man. Rikasu, Ipapli, Shampopo, Shampisi. Oh, it just was was well, good evening and uh, welcome to the A&E Rugby Podcast with Andrew. Hello, Elmer. Yes, and hello, and myself, Elmer. And just uh, just hearing our theme, really, it's not really music, is it? The, uh, the Corsa commentary there. It's, uh, my pimpy features uh, very uh, strongly in it. And just uh, breaking news today that... Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, I'm looking at Angie's <laughs> notebook here. He's written my pimpy at the start. <laughs> just, just, just as the music started playing, <laughs> I wrote down. Oh, we need to talk about that. Yeah, I don't know why I'm laughing either because he's a he's a big favourite of ours. And, yeah. um, but the news breaking today, obviously, that uh, Am is his replacement and is on a plane over. So uh, yeah, a yeah. shame really. Just That's hearing a, his name though. I know, uh, I know. So like a a guy synonymous now with our World Cup teams, and I think um, yes, such a big loss, but also. You know the connotations around refereeing w- when that happened i was also like straight away thinking well the guy's going to get a yellow for yeah. that you know i know these things happen in rugby but just in the climate hotel he's going to get a yellow and he got a penalty just a penalty just a penalty and, did, and obviously you don't referee the end result unless mm. your name's dupont but uh, did you did you see his face i, I, I know so it's a cracked eye orbital i think and then it, it kind of carried on the game carried on and then the second part of that was yeah when the, uh, I, th- I think it was the full back, I think it was Charles Pieter, came in, caught the ball out of the air and hit Eben's shoulder. And then the refs, like Luke Shaw, what's his name? Yeah, Shaw, eh? Luke. Luke Shaw? No, it's not Shaw, but Luke, the English yeah. referee. And he's saying, oh, um, you know, that's a definite yellow for me. Luckily, he got talked out of it. By the TMOs, yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. Huh? All of them, actually, which and was if, good. if we go back a few weeks, you know, was it Ben Curry for England? Similar, very similar. Mm. Red card. Yeah. It's um, it's a talking point, and later yeah. in the show, we uh, I'd, I'd like to talk about this bunker system and the ref and the. Jeez, what, what a mess that we actually just started off this podcast with exactly the thing that both of us didn't want to ever speak about. <laughs> well, yeah, done, well done to us. Yeah, well done, well done. <laughs> so, as you can as well. see, this is very unscripted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's get back on the script, Andrew. At that <laughs> point, uh, what have you been up to? Well, yeah. Um, Firstly, do you like my Saracens top, huh? And it's making me wonder, yeah, what's, what's you, going you, on you here? You know we gave you the beat down uh, yesterday, we beat Harlequins. So, I thought I'd wear it just to rub it in a little bit. But, um, yeah, so Friday I was out with your friends down at the local, Dorking. And because um, I'm such a Dorking patriot, I, I went down there and I have to admit, I watched naught minutes of the game. I sat in the bar and watched, watched New Zealand play Italy first half oh, and I thought well gosh, this, this is just boring. What have you been up to? Uh, yeah so not feeling the best so missed out on on watching. Uh, we normally pop down to the local rugby club and mm. my daughter plays also on a Sunday so I had none of that. Uh, I was tempted to come down on the Friday evening and, and see you and watch the it was the Vets team wasn't it? Yeah. That were playing. But um, I decided to stay in and watch the first half of the All Blacks uh, Italy game thinking Italy will finally after all these years maybe put up some sort of fight in the first half and uh, my gosh I, th- uh, I think I should have just come to the rugby club yeah. <laughs> well when we come back to this I've got a I've got a theory about um, where, where these games are going to go and they're starting to like move in a particular theme but we, we'll come back to that after yeah we, I mean I, t- I, t- I know you look forward to it oh yeah well yeah I turned that game off at half time went to bed went to sleep um, I couldn't sleep for a while because even though I wasn't feeling too great, I was pretty angry and frustrated. <laughs> Last night I couldn't sleep, and the whole night I dreamt about um, rugby. These games are just too late, and then you know it finishes at kind of ten, almost ten, and you can't switch off because I get too like animated, and not, and not that I'm, I'm just inside. Everything's kind of at high octane, and, and my my revs are up there. Well, that's why we're doing this, isn't it? <laughs> Bit of release. Hopefully I'll sleep well tonight then. Okay, just just to mention that Rango has joined us yet again. I think it's his yes. third show on the pull trot. Up, pull so, up for Rango. So, bravo Rango. <laughs> okay, let's get straight into the main event as, as we see it, Angie, mm. uh, of round four. And that's the uh, Springboks versus Tonga. The score was 49-18 to the Springboks. Um, I'm not sure about you, but... Um, so I watched this, yes, it was late. <laughs> That's for sure. But I watched it 
fairly relaxed, which isn't isn't like me in terms of a must-win game. Mm. I, I get a bit nervy and edgy, but I was very relaxed, knowing that unless there was a calamity with cards or something, that we would win this with the bonus points. And because of that, I was able to watch the game uh, through a different lens, really. I was just focusing pretty much on the fly half and the hooker all the way through it. It's not, that's not to say I didn't, didn't notice any other uh, plays or individuals, but that really was my focus. Even when the ball was, you know, out of their sight, if you like, I was still watching what the fly half and what the two is doing. And, um, and that, that was an interesting way of looking at the game. Um, I mean, the rest of the team doesn't really concern me too much, um, you know, more scrum halves, etc., because I knew we'd win. So, so how about yourself? So I probably look at it in three dimensions because that's, that's what I do with work. But so it's a bit more complicated for me. Although you point out like, exactly what you're saying was the feeling of relief and enjoyment I had when Pollard slotted that first kick. Oh, when, when the camera was behind him and the ball and it just gently curved around to the left right. and went straight through. It was... Yeah, it was just really Just on that, Andrew, because I've just said I wasn't feeling nervous or edgy. The only time in that game when I felt nervous and edgy was when he put the ball on the tee from the <laughs> angle and it, and the, the, the camera closed in on his face. Oh, gosh, do I watch this? <laughs> and the relief when he yeah. slotted it. It's almost like, what is it? Um, Star Wars, they say, and the order of the balance was returned or whatever it was. Yes. But I, I want to just talk about this um, a little bit. Yeah, so what I thought was really interesting was um, in, in the punditry, France Stein was in, in the uh, Supersport um, box chatting with them, and then there was Jean de Villiers at, at the match. And after the match, they both got asked, so how did you see the game? And obviously not sitting together, Franz Stein said, I think it's the best that I've seen the Springboks play. Mm. And Jean de Villiers wrote or said, I think it's the worst the Springboks have played since the start of the World Cup, especially the first half was by far the worst and and I just wanted to touch on that uh, a little bit and I, I know it's something we've um, discussed many times here but just around selection and the coaches saying they select for combinations and they keep those together but for me if we ever look at the side you can see through the selections that none of the combinations have yeah. been kept together so if we run through the front row you had Fareed Koch and Ox. and 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 Ox that started. They've never played together that I know of. Uh, for years only, so yeah, let's not even discuss it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Then they had, you had Irbin and Ori, so they have played together, but also not for a little while. Mm -hmm. And then you have the back three, they definitely haven't mm. played together. And you had nine and 10, I believe, played probably together in the last World Cup. And then the centers, uh, Moody and Esther Hazen, yes, were kept together. And the back three were again changed and different because mm. we got Grant on the on the wing so you can see there they broke all the combinations and what that tells me <coughs> we, we're possibly going to see is um, a disjointed game because the combinations haven't played mm. together um, for a long mm. time so they kind of made sense I also wrote down here that I thought the game was was disjointed um, so I think Tonga came along and it's the best game they've played mm. definitely um, and, and they showed why they were kind of sending rumors into the the rugby ether that they could be potentially at least take a few scalps at the rugby world cup so they really played well and we did have to front up with our physicality mm, absolutely um and and i do think there were some really good performances by individuals uh for being one especially around his um line out throwing although there wasn't too much um pressure on him for that and then i i really liked i would have selected grant estes in his man of the match because he made Main, uh, sorry, Andre um, Estes, really? he made That's so good. many meters. I just thought he he, he broke the line uh, so many times and, and nobody nobody else on the field did that. Hmm, okay, okay. Um, I did notice he, he fumbled a couple of balls, but that's probably... Uh, probably in the 22 where we're supposed to score, that, yeah, that's I think. No, absolutely. So if we go back to, um, okay, you, you've brought up, let's start with Free then. He played in the front row. Mm. He's one of the players I was certainly watching. Um, how do you think he fared? I think I think he, he fared okay. Um, I, I think he more safe than Dweber. And I think 
that's what we wanted to find out. What, was he better than the next best? Did he did he nail all of his throws? Or did, no, I think, I think he lost one, one. one. Yeah. yeah, but pretty much there was a good five, six, or yeah. seven that he, he was deep nailed. into the second half. I think when he when he lost the first one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to me the scrum looked okay. The scrum looked okay. Um, his throwing, which is which is one of his main tasks, was good. Um, his fetching was certainly good. Mm. Very good. He scored a couple of tries. He certainly scored one. And um, I'm not so sure when he. It's, it's, it's hard. Eh? We've been so sport with marks. Yeah. He throws, joins the back of the mall, and you see the power in that mall. And there was a. To me, there was an obvious. There was a noticeable lack of power. I agree. That was very nice. That, so that's the number one thing. That's what struck he, he, me. He does. Yeah. He lacks a bit of size. It looks like he's leaned out mm. and he's in fantastic shape. And that's probably because he, he's playing flank and he wants to get around the. The pitch a bit more, um, and and it suits that. It, they, they might have him on a bulking up three week bulk up course, <laughs> you know, just to just to put a bit of extra kgs on him. You see, you see the difference in the pack weights. Mm. Well, three quarters of that was down to Ben Tamifuna, who was like what one hundred and fifty kilograms. The size of that age. Uh, what's what's quite re um, refreshing when you look at free is um, he plays with a smile on his face, not constantly, but so akin. You know, it reminds me a bit of uh, okay, who came to the Lost World Cup. <laughs> um, Brits. Older Brits. Yeah, yeah, who, who, of course, happiest man in the world. But it's really nice to see someone enjoying their rugby. And why not? Uh, it may be his last few games yeah. ever. These. It, it, he was loving it. Huh? He, yeah. he, he was absolutely... Of course, um, why not? <laughs> I know, like you said, a couple of tries. His line-outs were going well. Although they didn't challenge us on the line-outs. It's a bit of a concern. But I think, you know, he can come on for 15 minutes and do a job. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, whoever we play in the next game, it looks like it will possibly be France. Yeah. Unless you believe a few conspiracy theorists that are doing the rounds today. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it does mean that um, you can't take um, Bongi off until you have a lead. Because yeah. once you bring Fari, Kwaka and Eskim on, you need a lead. Yeah. Because what they'll do is they'll slow the game down. They they there won't be a quick ball for the no, other team because no, no. of that jackaling um, concern that that the other team will have and the pressure that they will apply. But it it does leave us a little bit um, how, how can I put it a bit sensitive in that area. But let's put it look who France have lost. Although he's coming yeah. back, I hear now as well, Dupont. So you know we we've all I think all the teams are struggling with their with their own uh, injuries. No, absolutely, it's part of the game, of course. So if we, um, Dion Ferry was replaced. What did you think of his replacement? He also scored a try. Yeah, I, I, he, he, they're so different, aren't they? Mm. Um, he, he's if much we more, think of him as a hooker, though, because yeah, we have to, you know. Yeah, I, look, he, he, he got, he's got the right physique and temperament mm. for it, um, but it's all about that line-out throw, yeah. you know. If we're, under, if we're under pressure in the last 10 minutes of a game, it's unfair to put that kind of pressure on somebody that's not an out-and-out hooker. That, that's, that's a catch. We, we would really need to get ahead on the scoreboard for me to take Bongi off. I'd, I'd potentially get him to run the match if we were in a tight match. The, the other the other one is, um, did you see they kept Eben on for the full? Mm, and Sia. I think Sia stayed no, no, Did Sia, he not? He, well, he, he went off for Eskom when he came on. Okay. That tells me a few things. Hey? If they, I think what they're looking at is running Eben for 80 in the next well, he, three games. Well, he, he's, he's done it numerous times. Yeah. Numerous times. Which gives us, which points more towards a 6-2 split. Yeah. Because of the uh, Pollard factor. Right. Well, obviously, we're getting on to that. So, mm. Pollard. Yeah. Okay. So he's very much coming into the equation in your mind. Okay, Andrew. Um, so, um, yeah. Rather than talking about Pollard immediately, let's stick with the uh, front row of Ox. Um, and it was Cock. Yeah. Wasn't it? Um, now, Cock, in my mind, had a good first half, particularly. Even though I wasn't focusing on him, he seemed to be uh, very mobile, running some good lines, looking after the ball well. Mm. I think he's a really good player. Um, mm. I bumped into him once down in Hermanus and uh, he was there with a couple of, he could have only been 21, 22. And this guy came walking in with his enormous legs. I remember seeing his thighs, his enormous thighs. And you can't miss his shovel chin yeah. that he that he has. But uh, seems like a really nice guy. But I, I agree with you. I thought he played really well. Um, I think our props are all, all five of them are world class. Like right up there in the world-class bracket and it's unfortunate that one of them has to miss out 
Um, I think from from the last World Cup, Ox has come in, hasn't he? And tre- and um, the Sharks uh, prop has Thomas Detoy. He's fallen out. Mm. I see he's moved to Bath and he played his first he game. He's moved to weekend. Bath. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Ox has made the biggest improvement over the last uh, two, I, three, four I years. I, and he needed to. Yeah. I think um, to your point, the three our three All Blacks are potentially our best three scrummaging units. Um, in this, so I mean, take nothing away from you know Kitsoff and uh, Malherba, but I think they lack when they don't have their marks. spearhead marks. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they put those together going into the quarterfinal and how that works. I'm sure, sure we'll be in for a surprise with it. Yeah, and you described uh, the game as a little bit disjointed, which is obviously predictable mm-hmm. if you're playing combinations who aren't used to playing uh, together. And that was certainly noticeable for me when we described the lot partnership. Of um, Ori and uh, Eben, I didn't think that. Well, it, it, it never seemed quite that smooth. It did seem a little bit disjointed. I don't think Ori had the best game either. Well, you, you say that he he got joined highest um, team score with three. They got a nine each. Wow! I didn't see that. Um, Ori's a very good player, mm-hmm. and he's very good at the lineouts, and he's usually very safe. But he, ball players. The, well, the, the, ball the, player. the problem is, you can't have somebody that sets the tone of the game on the first kickoff and does what he did, because uh, the whole team. Yeah. And then Reinoch doing what Reinoch does, a few minutes later, and scores that try. You know, could could he force his way in because of that predatory first couple of minute strike that he does, which is something we've we've struggled with. Well, that's why he's always, always on the fringes, isn't he? And when we do the six-two-six-one, or sorry, the seven-one splits, mm. he's he's been that split, hasn't he? Mm. Both, both games. Um, he's so dangerous. Um, I'm a huge fan, as you know, of Reinhardt. But um, the issue with him is the the ruck speed. Really, it's um, it's not consistent. Is another um, thing that was noticeable. Yeah. Which is a pity because he's so quick. Mm. But his kicking game is probably the best out of all of them. Ooh, I thought it was a bit. It's been a bit iffy at times. It's definitely improving. Well, who's better? Faf? No, I don't think so. Okay, that answered that. And Hendrix? Uh, no, well, not often. He's, he's so undercooked, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah. Uh, the, the poor guy. He, he's probably the one that... Um, and look, he's there, and he probably deserved to be there usually, but he's the one for me that was probably the incorrect selection. Okay, okay. Well, if we go into the uh, flankers and uh, eight-man, mm. uh, what did you make of Dwayne? So Dwayne was so hot to trot for a while, and then he just mm. seems to have cooled his heels a little bit. But he's the man for the big occasion. Absolutely. We've seen that. Mm. He steps up. He was man of the match in the 2019 World Cup final. When we played Japan in the quarterfinals, he stepped up. He was hard against Wales. I am um, So I, I have no doubt that he'll come right in. He's been sitting out for a couple of weeks, so I'm sure they've got a plan with him. But I do, I do think Jasper's pipped him to start. And, and again, playing him at seven, I think, is um, a different kind of game. So if, if you want to play that real tight kind of game we played against Wales, you could play him instead of Peter Steftatoy. You've got a very heavy, strong, Ooh. smothering pack. Why do you think they played him? Just to give him game time? Well, if what you, you've got to... And at that position. Yeah, I, I think purposefully because Peter Steff's played all the games. He isn't really a... Um, a, uh, a fallback for him and I think because of the injury to Lurt now uh, Mostot is covering uh, four so remember he used to come on as the foil for Peter Steff to toy um, in the last World Cup so I think they're covering all of these so while Dwayne they definitely needed to to play because he can cover seven and eight and he covers seven and eight in a very different way to anybody else in there Jasper's the closest to him in terms of weight and being formidable between those two so I I like I like what they did you know if you want to if you're going to go into a game where you say you know what let's close this out the last 15 minutes let's kick to the corners big strong pack maul it up you, you, you could you couldn't have a better option than bringing him on instead of Peter Steff to toy and just really bring on some bulk and play that game or even bring him on if we're if we're three five points behind as we've seen before when we beat New Zealand in Australia, where um, we may be behind, but we need someone to to turn a ball over. Yeah. Well, the thing that we haven't seen yet, um, except a little bit against Romania, thank goodness, was wet weather. Mm. And, uh, you know, all, all the teams have, what, been together now six, seven weeks. None of them have had to really play in the rain. 
and uh, it could be a factor coming well, up. Well, if you just refer back to that Romania game, I think the rain was just over 20 minutes in length from memory, mm. and I don't think any points were scored at all. Well, I exactly. So, yeah, I think that proves the point we're trying to make. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, rather than as we come out the uh, pack now, I'm tempted to talk about the fly-off, but let's leave that towards the end there. No, so, no, you uh, talk about runoff, you're, you know... Well, we've just, we've just spoken about Rhinox, so is no, there anything further to add? Talk, talk about him some more. <laughs> Tell me why you think he's better than the others. I just love his, uh, I love how dangerous he is, how much of a line breaker he is, and that speed, his interceptions. We saw, look at the first trial. Mm. People like that, in the same way that Williams, they have the potential as individuals to, to score your try and win you a game mm. without the team structure. So they just, well, they operate within the structure, but can do, just do something off the cuff and change again. Now, you need those players in, in your team. Mm. Every, every team needs them. Look at DuPont. I'm not comparing DuPont to <laughs> Rhino, but um, man, if you've got players like that and they can play to a structure and then do something genius on the side, mm. then keep, just keep, keep them involved somehow. Well, a guy that scores the two quickest hat-tricks in World Cup history in two different World Cups tells you there's something there. I mean, it doesn't take a Canada market, and yeah, Romania. In the yeah. same way, uh, as we all know, uh, Colby. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Williams is uh, potential. Says that ability here. Yeah. Hundred percent. Lightning, sure. lightning. Moody has that potential. Oh. Kurt Lee. Yeah. Even uh, even Marnie has that potential. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah. yeah. Well. Going from my love child, let's go to yours, uh, Andre. Yeah, what? <laughs> man of the match. How, how do you okay. figure? How do you figure? He was a man of the match. For me, was man no. Of the match. You're man of the match. No, Andre Esteizen. Yeah, that's who I meant. Oh, yeah. okay. Andre Esteizen. Solid game. I noticed a couple of mistakes, but um, yeah, I didn't realise he made that many meters. Yeah, he, he, he made loads of game. meters with people. He's very good in the tackle, strong. Joined up well with um, Moody. So a partnership we both like, of course, yeah. and we'd both be happy if the Springboks actually played with that partnership. Mm. Um, gosh, and Moody, Moody had a pretty good game. I mean, he had a fortuitous try. He turned over well, actually, a nice turnover. He's a little bit greedy still. He needs to offload that ball um, rather than when he has options. When the try is guaranteed and he's not giving, he's that's a bit of a work on for me. Yeah, uh, look. I, you know, he's, he's done it twice now in consecutive games. I think he needs that to be pointed out to him. To, you know, you don't fuck him oh, out at this, this I'm level. I'm sure it will. And of all and people, I think Creel rescued him by going over quickly. I, no, it was um, Eskim that went, went over after his trouble. Okay. Uh, for, after that mess that he made. But, but uh, Moody, his, his skills are like through the roof. He doesn't make mistakes. Like, I know we're talking about a mistake he just made, yeah. that pass. And we've seen, clearly, there's something there that he needs to just work on, pass it out to guarantee try. But you never see him tackle people in the air. I was watching, he was running, balls in the air, and I thought to myself, he's going to hit this guy in the air. And he actually pulled back, and then he adjusted and, um, you know, uh, hit the guy. And then his range of passing, with the try to Willie, he was running. And he actually checked himself to a point where he stood at, like, try to break and stand at standstill to pass that ball on. Otherwise, he would get hit in the tackle. Just like he's sublime with his touches. Mm -hmm. Very, very. Like, a lot of people wouldn't have the talent to be able to put that all together. They would just, you know, be running full blast and expect, and we'd get caught with the ball and that type of thing. Those subtle touches, is it like what we were speaking about with that Jesse Creel lacks? I saw a few more again, and I, I was like, he's a very, very silky player, and I think he can have forced his way into the start as a starting wing instead of KLL. And do you know what? If he did play wing ahead of uh, Kirtley, you'd get no objections from no, him. No, no, exactly. Pretty good under the high ball, though, uh, mm. too. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing him. But I, th I think the good thing is none of us would moan with who you pick. No, no, no. Well, if we look at the back three, I mean, disjointed certainly comes to mind. Um, Vili being Vili, um, nice try, almost gave away a try again. Almost gave away a couple. I think um, with Vili, because I'm a huge fan of Vili, as 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 you may know, but um, I think he's really lacking um, 
not having that consistent selection which he had prior to the World Cup he played every single day mm. and you could tell he was thriving off it. He was. and for the last two years I mean a year ago he he silenced the naysayers there's so many of them in SA get him out get him out mm. and he'd proven his worth and it seems to me that since he's been sporadically picked his form is also it's 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 fluctuates he's almost um, an extreme version of a confidence player mm. like when he's on form mm. like that he's the best player in the team Oh, and, and silky. He, he, yeah, and, and, he, and he runs yeah. into gaps that you don't see, and, and you kind of like see him making his way around the pitch. To he's a very, very mm. clever brain for rugby, but then you see him do such some of the craziest stuff. It's like his basics let him down, like just catching the ball. Mm. It does, it does you know? basics. And, and yeah. because of how he plays and where he get, positions he gets himself into, if he doesn't make those catches, it becomes a huge incident waiting to happen so for instance he knocked that ball landed in the uh, in the in touch and luckily it rolled out the back <laughs> but I mean, they could have had 14 points Ooh, from the calamities that he had yeah. so yeah I, it worries me it worries me and he, uh, he actually showed a bit of uh, physicality to score his try yeah, he, looked a bit the, he looked a bit the more you know he was uh, putting the shoulder into guys giving it the chirp uh, um, in terms of uh, the replacements, I mean, gosh, two of the replacements really stood out in my mind. Quagga and um, Creel. Creel, yeah, Creel had a good game, didn't he? But he, he, I mean, he was a replacement, but he was on for most of the game, wasn't he? Mm, but gosh, he was, um, I mean, defensively sound. I think he scored a try as well. But he, he did, he, yeah. He looked almost exceptional. It was um, just on that Creel note, it was, it was quite odd, I thought. Um, of, did you hear the coach singling him out for criticism? No. Yeah, he gave a press conference. I know I don't normally watch or listen to these. Mm. And he was he was really, it was all about um, referring back to the Ireland game and protecting Marnie. That was a star. So he wasn't mm. critical of Marnie, Libox's kicking or Faf's kicking at all. Mm. But what he was saying, he was, uh, no, well, um, Creel... Um, offloaded that silly pass words that affect silly or stupid pass to Sia and mm. uh, we've got to focus on those sort of instances uh, and Peter yeah. he then said and then Peter Staff dropped the ball as well and really singling out these players Creel mostly rather than um, rather than looking at kicking Can I ask you another question so it's a note that I made down here do you remember the last World Cup and definitely through the lines to everything Jacques and Rossi were welded together at the hip yeah I haven't seen them in conversation near each other in any game for the last good six months, eight months. I, I think the last time I saw it was probably in the autumn. And I don't know if I'm reading too much into that, but why would you change your style of how you coach and work together um, so completely unless it's something that you're just trying to not make public? Uh, well, I mean, you know, these, these things, body language, all that type of stuff, it uh, speaks volumes. Food for thought. Food for thought. Yeah, look, it could be a complete load of rubbish too. I know this, but it's it's just you, you know you you notice these things, and now all of a sudden, Jacques uh, Jacques Nimo is going back to Ireland. Mm. Rossi saying absolutely not going back to Ireland for the first time. They're splitting up. There's, there's a lot of things there that could create um, a bit of a conspiracy theory. Mm, okay. Well, they seem. Uh Apart from the body language, it seems pretty united. Yeah. They're sending out the same messages each time. <laughs> now, uh, I think we've already mentioned um, that we were both a bit nervy when Pollard put his uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> the ball on the tee and kicked it. But um, how did he go? How did Pollard go? Did he meet your expectations or did he, did he go above your expectations? For me, it was as if he um, hadn't skipped a beat. So he was as good as he's kind of always been. I've never seen him as an exceptional player in terms of him doing like these flashlight pieces of brilliance by himself. He's not that kind of he's guy. Not. But his brilliance is in his consistency and how stable he is and how good his skills are. Did he do that? Yes, he did. He did it better than I thought. I thought he might be a little bit more rusty. Mm. He played a very basic game plan around him. The How you knew that their levels to running a backline is when Marnie came on. And then that just looked slick, tacking mm. from all over the place. Ball went down the back line much easier. Do you know it's got a lot to do with? It's got a lot to do with, so you get different types of flowers. And Pollard is a flower that sits deep in the pocket. 
so that he's got more time to kick and look around and make decisions. Marnie plays a lot flatter. He wants to play in your face. He wants to show you the ball, get people on the wrong foot, find a weak shoulder, find his way through. And or when he sends the pass, he wants to send the pass with the ambition of a person running through a gap. Andre is quite different. He takes the ball, needs more time. He has a look around. He'll kick. Or when what he like prefers to do is put a, um, a pass into a player with time on his hands to make his own decision. Marnie makes the decision for the centers and then puts them in. So two completely contrasting um, styles of flow-off. And I think I think they're good for each other. Um, I, I like the security of having Pollard there for the kicking. And then what happens? Step up Marnie, have, please have three out of three. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to speak about that in a minute actually. <laughs> but um, yeah, so my, um, my expectations of Pollard was to come in, make most of his kicks. Mm maybe he'd miss one but and and play his normal solid game make his tackles and he did that so he, he kicked all of his kicks a couple of them at least were from tight angles mm. i know his stats say he made all his tackles he played it, it was seamless it was mm. as if that was pollard of old just stepping mm. in so i was extremely happy for him mm. happy for me happy for springboard supporters <laughs> Happy the, for the, the coach is just just happy and relieved and um and then he came off and uh Moni came on and you saw the difference in terms yeah. of um yeah. you, you mentioned the word slickness but uh Moni engages with the backs straight away and mm. he gets the backs firing mm. a lot, you know he brings that part of the game uh, um into it um Moni's kicking was excellent you know, three kicks he's changed he's changed his over. rhythm his style as well and then I was even more pleased today because I just thought okay well maybe well he's got a bit of competition now he has to step up mm. it might be just one of those games when he where he makes his kicks and then he'll revert to missing them all again who knows that may happen again but um, it was um, interesting to hear him today give an interview and he was talking he was asked the question about um, the difference Pollard has made to him within the training camp. Mm. It was really interesting to listen to. And he was saying, um, you know, well, since Pollard's come in, they exclusively kick together and train together with their kicking. And uh, Pollard's been helping him and he's made a couple of changes. Wow, so, really? Okay. So that was great to hear him physically saying this and me listening to it. And I'm, I'm thinking, wow, well, that's, that's fantastic. And of course, they'd be working together because without with Pollard out of the camp who has he been kicking with well, well we know Faf and Willems and, and, and yeah and, and how can non-kickers help one another so um so not only you've got Pollard helping him mm. and he's, he's made a couple of changes to uh to his technique Pollard's also a competition for him isn't he and competition's healthy in a, in, a, yeah. in a squad and and it kind on reflection it showed when he came on what do you, you yeah. I I almost think that those two aren't competition for each other I think they're complementary of each other I think whatever you get faced with you can find that opponent out by either having one of the two on and if you can't find them out using one you can use the other like Marnie's like taking a scalpel and um, you know then there's Andres like taking a big carving knife they're very different very different but they're both quite unique and very good at what they do so I like the fact that they're working together. Funnily enough, I saw um, an interview that Andre Pollard was giving and they asked him <coughs> about how he's working with Marnie. And he said, yeah, I've been working with him a lot and I'm here to help him. So wh whatever's happened there, well done to both of them. It's good that you leave. You know, it's one thing I do say about the Springboks. They don't seem to have big egos. Like I, I don't get that impression from them at all. They're very grounded guys. So. Uh, you know, well, well done to everyone involved to keep them that way. Because you're talking about superstars of the rugby world here. Well, Pollard, not so long ago, he was the highest paid rugby player yeah. in club rugby, wasn't Playing he? When he moved to, choice, eh? to Leicester Tigers. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, wasn't Montpellier? Who was he? Was Montpellier? He was at Montpellier, yeah. playing, uh, playing a lot of the time inside centre. Yeah, or third choice, Flahoff, and being the most expensive player in the world. Okay, let's just uh, take a break and listen to the voice from the Cape. Right, so here goes uh, my synopsis of the match versus Tonga. Um, I thought the reintroduction of Andre Pollard 
was something to watch. He was very good for me in the in the fifty minutes that he did play. We knew exactly what to expect from Andre. He brought a level of stability that I thought was there before, but there it was rather something that can be anticipated. So he went back to the stereotypical style of how we play rugby. And I think that style at the moment is something that we may want to look at. And I will get into my reasoning behind that as well. I thought Dion Fouri had a, an amazing game uh, playing at hooker. Um, didn't go so well when uh, Van Staden came on and started throwing. So we lost a bit of continuity in the lineouts over there. But other than that, I thought Jesse Krill was absolutely amazing last night. That's probably the best rugby I've watched him play. The the scatterguns of scrum halves all over the pitch was causing a bit of indecision and untidiness, I thought, in the execution of certain parts of the game. Uh, Jaden Hendricks hacking the ball away was something that I just thought was really just stupid and cost us a try in that point and with that try came uh, a total at the end where we were 31 points ahead rather than the 36 we needed for automatic qualification because that 36 according to Scala and the boys on the pundits that was the magic number and because of that hack ahead of Jaden Hendricks uh, that was put paid to that but let's talk about Mani Lebok coming on on 50 minutes. I thought Mani injected some pace and some go forward ball in the back line that was rather static with uh, Andre at the helm. But once Mani came on, there seemed to be a bit more spark in that back line and they looked a little bit f- uh, faster going forward. Um, again, a good performance, good ish performance but I still don't think we've got our full settled side just yet. And I actually don't really know from sitting here thinking about it, what that side would look like. But I'm going to say this now and I'll put the cat amongst the pigeons. If we want to go ahead and play France, I do believe that the person that should take us forward in the first, uh, take us forward must be Marnie because after watching Andre and the static status of our backline. I think Andre Pollard needs to play second fiddle to Mani Lebok. Well, thank you, the voice from the Cape. And uh, how do you feel about uh, his ending there? Well, I, I agree with him about um, playing against France like that because France are a team that score a lot of points. So and kick if, a lot with if, the Ramos. So. If if we only go in there one-dimensional and go looking just for kicking, um, I think they'll beat us. So they're going to score three tries. We have to score four. So I, I think it is it, w- it is going to be a high-scoring game because that's the way they play. All their games are high-scoring. You don't. That's just you can just look at the the history of this team. They score a lot of points, and I think you're going to have to match them scoring points. Potentially close it out with a hundred. So I'd agree with that. Um, but very quickly, I'd want to test where Moni is on his kicking and swap him round if he's not there. We have a difference of opinion, which is good because um, yeah, my well, my opinion hasn't changed in the last two years. Uh, against the big teams, the top three, top four, nothing's changed in my mind. In the close games, we lose if uh, we don't take the cooks. So in my mind, we 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 take Pollard. Maybe Marnie's turned a corner now. Pollard's here. I don't know, but are we am I prepared? If I was in the position, would I be prepared to gamble that on a quarter final, a do or die game? No. Would I have him on the bench? Maybe. Maybe I'd have Marnie on the bench. Maybe things aren't going so good, he could change things up. But I, I just want that reliability of the kicker. I want our first choice pack to go out there and defend well. And no, you're not, France, you're not going to score about a load of tries. We're going to keep you out. And we're going to work that scrum. We're going to earn our penalties. And uh, our fly half or our kicker is going to convert, uh, convert our penalty chances. Okay, I, I, think, I think with um, your selection, now you've got to take into account Hollard's kind of backstory. He's only played 30 minutes. He keeps the reoccurring injury. So when when you say maybe um, Marnie, on the, I don't think you can play Pollard without a 6-2 split and play Marnie there, which is fine. You know, he covers, lots of players in the back line can play multiple positions. So I don't think that's an issue. 
but I don't think you go with, without both now. I think it has to be the way forward. Both of them in the squad? Yeah, starting okay. squad. Um, okay. So, yeah, I, I think it just gives you the insurance. And I would, I would start with Marnie. Mm, well, we've got a couple of weeks to reflect on this and mm. think about mm. it. I'll, I'll probably be 100% wrong. Hey, listen, it's a better headache we have now than we did <laughs> a few weeks ago. Mm. We have options. Okay. Um, just a um, quick mention on the Tongan uh, flyhoff who, uh, who scored that uh, great last try on the tries of the tournament. tournament. Yeah. And, um, I mean, this guy, you're wearing a Saracens uh, top at the moment. Saracens, um, man. It was only... Two, three weeks ago, he was playing for Coventry against Saracens, yes. and Coventry beat Saracens. Coventry are really a good, stable, good, stable club, good crowds, etc. And now he's drafted into the World Cup, and mm. uh, he, he's a player. Yeah, he scores a try like that against the Springboks. <laughs> <laughs> good for him. Absolutely. Good for Absolutely. Him. He couldn't believe it either. <laughs> okay. um, we spoke about my pimpy at the start of the show. Uh, so Am's on his way out. Um, gosh. Where does Am? Where is Am in the this, mix of things is, now? This is interesting. Where, where so, is he? Where this is he interesting. Let's break this one down. So, they had the option, and we know they're not weak to bringing in the same as what they've lost in terms of positions. So they've decided we don't need Weber. We're happy with what we've seen, and we're going to go with. Um, and Am was pouring drinks again, as everybody will hear again. After I told him before the pod, don't pour drinks in the fucking pod. Anyway, he doesn't listen. Um, yeah, so they brought M in. Now, I was thinking about this. The only, I, I don't think they would have brought him in if they weren't going to use him. They would have just played it safe and brought in another hooker. Really? I okay. think they have every intention of him playing. And I think if he plays, Kirtley will lose his position to Moody. That's why I, that's that's where my thinking was, in terms of um, the future kind of potential quarter quarterfinal starting team. Hmm. So in your mind, Am is earmarked to displace Creel. I think he's earmarked to display Creel. I don't know if he'll play to start against um, France, but I think if we beat France, he'll he could potentially start. And Creel has had a good World Cup. Yes, very good World Cup. But as we know, he just doesn't create he's, tries that. Mm. He's a couple of times he's died with the ball, and I think to myself, Am wouldn't have died with that ball in a position that we could potentially score from. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Well, that's why I asked. So, um, well, what's your opinion? That's why we have a podcast. Yeah, I'm not sure. You have an opinion on it. I just, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking about it though, very specifically this because. I thought, why would you bother bringing the guy out mm. if you weren't going to play him? Not a guy like M. If they just said, okay, we're going to bring visit Kuba Scrubler out from the Bulls for covered hooker, I would have gone, yeah, that's probably a safe bet. We are a bit loose there. We could do with a bit of help. Did you bring M out? M is one of our superstars. M is one of the guys that won the World Cup for us. M was up for World Player of the Year. M adds a completely different dimension to our backline. That does make a lot of sense because when I was thinking about myself up too selective. When I was thinking about going, I thought uh, I did think uh, maybe Dweber's coming out now. I so did I. I thought it was between the two of them to see because, like the, the last time I saw Free play, I thought, okay, so he's not very really good at throwing in, but he doesn't seem like a really good scrummager. Dweber seems like a really good scrummager, mm. but doesn't seem like he can throw in well. So if you look at that and put it in boxes. You're going to go, okay, I'll go for Dweber. He's got one cross, one tick, and Fareed. But Fareed's got a very good, like, scrounging game as well. He's just better around the park. So I get it. And and I think that just adds more weight as to making use of M. Okay, well. Or yeah. they brought him out as a coach. Uh, who knows with the Rassi? You just can't second-guess him, can you? <laughs> okay, so Springboks. Um... It's more than likely we'll be in the quarterfinal. I know there's a lot of permutations, which I really can't get my head around. Really can't get my head around. But I think if Ireland beat, if if Scotland beat Ireland by more than twenty points, scoring four tries and getting the bonus point, I believe that would put us out. Yeah. So what does Rossi's chirp as well? He's, and that seems unlikely to me. If if Scotland beat Ireland by more than seven points. 
then Ireland fall out and we go but I don't understand how that works anyway I look at it's gotten so ridiculous there's so many different versions of it I you know realistically I think um, Ireland will hammer Scotland mm. and I have a theory around all of that too um, with these teams and how deep they're going into the conversation these no ways Ireland are a confidence side <coughs> they, they are a confidence side they potentially could have the longest winning streak mm -hmm. ever if they win the World Cup, they the that'll, World be, Cup. The, that'll mm. be 19, which I think has never been hit. I really don't think they're going to um, play a half-baked team and they're going to go full tilt. Yeah, of course they're not. And it'd be good, to, good, good luck to the Scots. They can be plucky on their day. Round four, it started off with uh, Uruguay playing Namibia. 36-26. Um, I did watch that actually. It was a pretty good game. Namibia shot themselves in the foot with a couple of yellow cards. And then we went on Japan, Samoa, Japan 28, Samoa 22. Samoa have been a bit disappointing for me in this World Cup, as have Japan actually, but um, Samoa is expecting more of them, I don't know about yourself. Yeah, I, so this is, maybe it's time for me to bring out my theory here. So, because it, it affects all of these kind of, oh, these teams that supposedly were looking so good and then now you get these massive scores. So, my theory this week is that when you have teams playing each other, say you take the Six Nations and you have a, a teams like a, you know Scotland playing Ireland and, and France, and Ireland and France being one or two and Scotland kind of hovering at five and six. So you have teams that have got some really good players and some have some excellent players, but they don't play together often. They're coming in and out for a week or two and they're playing together. So what happens is the level of the game is also heavily weighed upon by the amount of time that the teams have played together okay so you get scores that are generally closer together than what we now starting to see in the world cup where you have these teams that have excellent players that have now been together for two months and things are really starting to jump mm. so you're starting to get players that are limited that in the six nations could have competed versus now these teams that have spent so much time together and elevated and because of their capabilities far, far better. So I think as these games go further down the line, you're going to end up with these massive scores between the top four and potentially any of the others. So I'll be interested to watch the games this weekend um, and how they go. So, you, I mean, you, you can't really take Romania and New Zealand, but what it does say is New Zealand have hit their straps. So there's a couple of games this weekend that if you looked at them, you would have thought, you know, six months ago, this will be close-ish. Whereas now, I think you'll see a vast difference in the scoring. Well, we'll take note of that, actually. That's an uh, interesting theory. And we'll see how that pans out, certainly plays out the next uh, round five. It does make sense. Jesus, Alma, get off the fence. Gosh, New Zealand, Italy. So I, I didn't come and meet you the other night, so I could watch the first half of this. And, oh gosh, not only was I disappointed seeing Italy is still psychologically scarred by this team every time they meet them they get properly pumped I mean minimum 50 minimum 50 points they're at it again they're not even tackling the heads have gone down in the first half I think New Zealand scored three tries within four or five minutes mm. and the heads went you saw the heads going down apathy in the tackles are thinking am I watching club rugby here and then uh, I went to bed uh, the next morning, I looked at the score, 96-17. And I'm thinking, Italy, you're a disgrace. You're a tier one team, a tier one team who's had two or three years to prepare for this World Cup and this fixture, knowing you're playing the All Blacks. And that's the best you can do. Tier one, you get all this funding for years and years from the Six Nations. And that's such, you're a disgrace. And it's, it's, it's sad for rugby as well. And it's crap for this World Cup. And New Zealand, yeah, you were slick, brilliant, yeah, you handled everything well. And we all know New Zealand, when they get the upper hand, they are ruthless. They, they don't they don't switch off. They just go for it. Mm. So, so, yeah, bravo to New Zealand. But, gosh, the attention deserves to be on Italy for, for that. <laughs> That's unforgivable. I don't know how you feel, but I, I'm, I'm really pissed off about I, it. Uh, I've never seen you go that hard. I'm not, I'm, it's, so I'm not happy. A tier one country. I'm sitting here with a big fat grin a on my tier face. one country. I looked at this game differently. So what I was New looking Zealand. at in this game was how are New Zealand playing? So for me, when I thought about the game before I watched it, I thought 
New Zealand need to put in a really good forward dominating um, performance. They, they needed their forwards to have a really good run out to show that they have the metal that everyone says they don't have, to show that they can dig deep, to show that they can scrum well, to show they can line out well against a team that could potentially push them. And none of that happened. Potentially. So, well, potentially, because in all the news media, I even thought, oh, you know, this could be tasty. Both you and mm. I said, this is one we wanted to watch. Mm. And hence, again, my theory about really good players going far away um, from, well, just annihilating players that are average. But I wanted to see how New Zealand, I was looking more at New Zealand, and all they did was play the basketball style rugby that they played because this team didn't put in the tackles. But again, New Zealand team weren't tested. And my whole theory around why South Africa won the last World Cup against England and why I won a lot of money on betting on, when I say a lot of money, not a lot of money for me, was because England weren't tested. And I don't think the Kiwis have been properly tested. I mean, who, who have they played? France gave them a, sm a hiding. We gave them a hiding two weeks before that. And I, I just don't see that they have it in the forwards. And I think they missed the point with wanting to make sure that they got a good hit out against tough opposition. Fozzie came out and made the most ludicrously oh, stupid yeah, statements. Yeah. Do you know what? When, when something is so stupid, I don't think we should give it any airtime. Well, actually, Angie, let's give it a tiny bit more airtime with the voice from the Cape. New Zealand and Italy, one-way traffic, um, kind of, they looked sharp, New Zealand, let's be honest, they looked sharp, but uh, the coaches' comments about the what their game was compared to us, he can go fuck himself. So that's my thoughts on that. <laughs> so the voice from the Cape, also getting quite animated over this game. Good, good. The voice of the Cape. I like the voice of the Cape. He doesn't sit on the fence like a it'd be, like it'd be mockingbird. Really good to have Aldi's uh, contribution now, unfortunately. Yeah. The only thing we got from him was that uh, Italy looked as if they were on holiday in Sardinia. Mm. That's it from him. But um, oh, what, I mean, they were I agree. They, why they, give the coach any, any, why highlight the coach and what he so, said? So, it so just dark, makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. You can't compare those two games. Um, I think the Italians will be very disappointed. I mean, this has been many years in the making. I think there's a lot of players there that potentially it's the end of the line for them after the World Cup. This was their final, and they could have they could have dented this group. Can they recover from that? They're playing France at the weekend. Can you come from a 96-17 defeat to be? So I, I they think beaten you, I France think, before. I think you can because you have no pressure on you. So if we take Tonga last night against the Springboks, how did they suddenly put that performance on after the performances that they've been putting on? And the only difference that I can see is pressure. They played with that natural free abandon. I don't know if Italy have that capability, but um, uh, Tonga could bring the physicality. That's always there. But then they can play like Fiji when they like to. So, you know, may maybe Italy will surprise us and... and um, uh, Italy, gosh. Um, it's hard not to think of old World War II cliches, eh? surrendering and oh, to whoever's winning. Oh dear, it's just shocking. Hang your heads in shame, Italy. Okay, um, Pumas 59, Chile 5, uh, Scotland 84, Romania nil. Yeah, wonderful. I didn't watch any of those. And, uh, and, and just some of the stupidity on the commentary again from that, saying that you should read into the fact that Scotland beat Romania by more than the Springboks and Ireland did. Oh dear. And uh, Australia 34, the Porras, Portugal um, 14. I actually watched that. Really I enjoyed, enjoyed that it. Game. Really enjoyed yeah. it. My gosh. Portugal. I th people say Fiji or everyone's second favourite team, but I think Portugal may be up for contending that title. Do you, do you know, they don't give up and play uh, with width constantly. Do you, do you know what I enjoy about Argentina and, and Portugal? is this? Is clear, it's on, it, we know this isn't their first sport. Their footballing heroes are... I mean, they're number one in mm. the country. It's dominated by football. But their quality of human, almost, between the rugby players and the footballers is astonishing. I've grown up watching football with my dad. Always watch football. The Argentinians, dirty. You know, they'll kick you. They'll slow the game. Down. Potentially, you could call it cheating. I mean, Maradona, hand of God, all of these kind of things. Portuguese also like that, you know, lie on the floor, fake injuries. 
And then you just look at their, their rugby teams and you think, you know what, it's, there's a class difference here between the people that play this game, and, and that's why I prefer rugby. I'm tempted to go on another rant here based on this. Go for it, I like your rant. I'm, not, I'm not going to. But no, you um, don't. You know, World Rugby, they're on about expanding the World Cup to 24 teams. I mean, what a force. It's already farcical that we're having, I mean, look at the weekends results, Scotland 84, Romania 0, you know. 96-17, 59-5, it's, um, there's too much of a disparity as it is. They're only doing it for money reasons. Yeah. Gosh, there's nothing else. And this bullshit about growing the game, it's, it's just hypocrisy, rank hypocrisy. They're bringing in this World League soon, maybe next year or a couple of years' time, that's excluding all these Tier 2 teams, all of them. None of them are allowed access. They say, oh, maybe we'll have a relegation system. Just absolute crap. And the last thing we want as um, as television supporters, if you like, is to have a raft of groups and these unwatchable games. Okay. So this week we've got Colombia v the All Blacks, <laughs> followed by England versus Malta. No offence to these two. <laughs> See the direction I'm going in here. And um, what? how does this create the game? Well, I don't. I think it does the exact opposite. And that's how naive World Rugby is. They, they're actually detrimental to the growth of the game by putting those teams against Tier 1, fully professional, kind of 1 to 4 in the rankings teams. To, nobody seems to learn in rugby. Rugby is associated with, ironically, quite clever people mm. who play the game and, and look Probably after the game. Them. Absolutely, yeah. but... Gosh, I mean, look what happened to Super Rugby when they grew Super Rugby. Yeah. At another club, Jersey, Jer hey, on the weekend, that's collapsed too, financially um, in trouble. So when they say, yeah, we've grown this and we've grown that, yes, you have. But at the detriment of what? The game that everybody wants to see, which is your men's game. You need to do these things more cleverly. And yeah, I, th I think we both know that whoever's in charge is hugely out of touch. I mean, Bill Beaumont, whenever he comes on the screen at the um, yeah. World Cup, he just gets booed. So, you know, the rugby watching population aren't naive, they're clever people. Did you see Did you see what he said the other day, Bill Beaumont? No. So I, it's rare I listen to anything he says, but um, he put out a statement saying that this is the most, um, the most environmentally sustainable World Cups ever and long may it continue and um, and people say well uh, environmentally sustainable what with hundreds of thousands of people flying in <laughs> and flying out <laughs> and and not only that every time you look at the coaches desk they've got 150 water bottles in plastic bottles I mean the stupidity it's, it's what do you know about sustainability is dangerous what do you know about rugby is dangerous <laughs> okay oh gosh let's have another round hey? the bunker system <laughs> this bunker system so it seems to me that um you know we we were at the halfway point of the rugby world cup and uh, we had a world record amount of red cords and that world rugby have had a word with whoever's in these bunkers so when the referee the germans <laughs> oh gosh yeah and a load of italians there and uh <laughs> it seems to me that um Everyone now who's getting a yellow card, because no one gets a red card anymore, do they? The no. referees just commit themselves to yellow, in the bunker you go, and it's, judging on the last few games, it's a guarantee that they'll be back on the pitch. Now, I've seen numerous, numerous incidents, I can think of five or six over the last few games, that at the start of the World Cup, they would have been red cards. Mm. God, if I think just the Australia game itself, I think it was Karevi leading with his... <laughs> Uh, arm again, smash into the face. There's a Portuguese guy, never went to go lower at all, head on head contact. In terms of World Rugby's laws, simple decision that's a red card. Now, I don't like red cards, I don't want them, so this suits me. But uh, what I don't like is the inconsistency, and what I don't want is then we go into the quarter final thinking, okay, the, the ref's using a bit more common sense now, or the bunker systems are, and then before we know it. We're back into the, yeah, it's going to be a red, it's a red, off you go. The, the inconsistency's weird, and it's scary, it's, it's, it's not good, and oh dear, it doesn't bear thinking about if you, you've got a player and, in the... And, and thinking that we're going to play um, France next, that's not a good sign. And, I mean, I, I've, I, I can honestly tell you, 
I, I did not pick one decision that was come upon um, as an outcome in any of the decisions that people got yellow cards. I, oh, I picked them all wrong. The people that I thought were getting yellow cards didn't get any cards. The ones that got red cards, I didn't even think deserved a penalty. And and I, I did not get one right. It's a mess. It's a mess. It, yeah, it, it is a mess. And and then the other thing is, the other mess is, how's about the replays of tries and what what's going on there? They don't show you replays. And then you get a replay like 15 seconds later. I was sitting there looking at the screen because the next thing I just I just heard the commentator shouting and then Rana put the ball down and I was like well I tried but I didn't see where he came from well neither did the cameraman and neither did anybody recording being farcical well just back on calls just just ban red calls unless it's deliberate malicious play ban red calls no, re and red, if you want keep, to keep a red card keep a red card but all you do is you have you send the person off okay and then there's a 10 minute gap and you're allowed to bring someone else on. So it's not the same person that comes on. Or punish the player after the game. Absolutely punish him after the game. Or but punish the team, find them or whatever. But yeah. Okay then, well let's uh, have a listen to Sean the Nose now and his three takes from round four. Hello all, my top three takes from the past week in rugby. Congratulations to the box on a uh, bonus point win. Getting the job done, a close to 50 point win on uh, and over Tonga. I think coaching staff will be pretty positive about the, the game. Um, I think Dion got tested properly. Um, he got his throws in at the line out, which were all of a bit of a concern for everybody. Um, Andre Pollard came through 50 minutes. I think he came through, he completed seven tackles. Um, he got his kicks four from four which is brilliant um, and um, I think he seemed to bring a calming effect when Marnie came on uh, because Marnie also had a great game when he came on and nailed his kicks. Um, on the downside of the match I think obviously is the injury to Mapimps and Mapimps is on his way home. Um, I hear from Rossi, I think uh, Rossi mentioned that um, if they make it to the final, they'll be flying out these guys back um, to be part of the, the, the group, which is brilliant. And the other downside, I think negative, is that I know what Jock uh, is like as regards his defence. He won't be happy that they managed to score three tries. But overall, I would say a good hit out. We got really tested. They wanted a hard game. They, they certainly got it. Number two. Very, very sad to hear the demise and the liquidation of Jersey Reds in the championship. I think it's very, very sad of what's going on with rugby and sure, I don't know. Where do you start with that? Um, very, very sad indeed. Um, and also hearing rumours that the Brumbies are struggling financially and so are the Waratahs. So rugby not in a great place. Um, and I want to end on a positive houses for a story. Patrick Pellegrini. The substitute back that came on for Tonga. A little over a year ago he was playing for Seven Oaks in National Division 2. I remember watching him play against Dorking, I don't know if you remember Elm, and um, he had a fantastic game. Every time he touched the ball he just seemed to have so much time and um, got discovered and uh, went up to um, Coventry. Coventry signed him and he's just re-signed with Coventry. While up at Coventry got called into the training squad for Tonga and there he goes, comes on in the late in the game against uh, the Springboks, the world champs and scores a try in the 77th minute. How fantastic. Lovely story to end on. Anyway, that's my takes. I hope you guys are well and look forward to the next one. Cheers now. Oh, many thanks, uh, Sean the Nose. Okay, uh, this week, uh, this week's, sorry, upcoming games, Thursday, New Zealand, Uruguay. Uh, here we go again. That's going to be tight. Yeah. New Zealand, we both New Zealand, I think. Yeah. Uh, Friday, France v uh, Italy. Ooh, Italy have looked quite good recently, up until last week. <laughs> I reckon that could be another 80... Point really? More. Do you really think? Yes, because of my theory. I, I think these players start getting better over time, and I think after that catastrophic um, mauling last week, I don't know how you recover. 
that's why I was asking the question because a lot of the time when uh, a team gets well let's just say losers rugby is a very emotional game anyway if you can harness that there's always a f there's always something they come back with something the following game but but can they after such a such a morning I hope they can yeah me me as well I think France will run out comfortably maybe maybe 40 points actually um, Wales Georgia on Saturday potentially a good game yeah I I think Wales yeah um, should should win that quite comfortably yeah I agree England Samoa straight after England yeah, already qualified by the yeah, way yeah <coughs> England should win but um, Let's let's hope Samoa show yeah. a bit of what people have spoken about before the Rugby World Cup, and they, they give a Tongan-like performance, um, like they did against the Spring. Absolutely. And the final game on Saturday is Ireland v Scotland. Oh, it's a pick of the day. Hey, is that on eight o'clock on Sunday? Eight o'clock Saturday, like Saturday evening. Saturday yeah. evening. Um, yeah, I think Ireland will flap them by thirty. Oh, it's a big one. I think Ireland by about fourteen. It's a bit closer than yourself. Uh, Sunday is Japan v Pumas. Mm. Oh, that's tasty. Watchable. Yeah, mm. I mean the the Japanese team are quite quite enjoyable to watch, mm. and the Argentinians, um, they've got to dig something out. And and whoever wins goes through. It's true. That's yeah. right. Eh? Mm. Yeah. I I I'll go with Pumas myself. I think they've been so bad. I think the Japanese <coughs> could beat them. Okay, are you are you calling Japan then? Andrew? Calling Japan. Okay, I'll get uh, After that's Tonga, Romania. And you want winner there. Yeah. And to end on Sunday, Fiji v Portugal. Oh, that could be fun. Fiji eh? need to win. <laughs> Have they got a choice? So, what are the permutations with Fiji going through? No, they are going to go through with Wales if they win, aren't they? If Fiji win, they're through. Okay, and sorry, they're playing who? Uh, Portugal. Portugal. Okay, yeah, so I, I put Fiji to go through. If Portugal win, Australia. I believe Australia sneak in. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Jones will be down the vegetable shop. <clears throat> okay, well, that wraps up this week's uh, A&E podcast. Uh, by all means, please follow us on Twitter or X as it's called. With yeah. And uh, it's at uh, the A&E Rugby Podcast on X. Come give us your support and follow me with my great humour on there. And by all means, drop us a, uh, drop us a voice note or an email on uh, A&E Rugby Pod at gmail.com. Good you night. See you soon.